Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. We're going to walk through a little book here, and you know, I, I thought even over the last couple of weeks, the different things that we've been seeing happening in our nation, and uh, the fact that um, uh, there's challenging days that we live in. Uh, I felt the Lord lead us to a passage uh, in a story uh, in the book of Esther where it actually highlights um, a, a situation where God's people had to learn how to, how to live out their faith uh, in, a, in a very challenging context. Uh, they were actually in captivity. I'm going to walk through that here in a second. Uh, before I do that, let me just pray, and then we're going we're gonna to walk right here and in dive into the Word of God. Father, we thank you today, and Lord, we, we thank you for the fact that we are in the presence of a king. And Lord, it's a privilege and an honor to be in your presence. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that has given us access. And now we thank you for the word of God that is living and active, Lord, that is ready to work at the deepest part of our lives. Father, you know the challenges and the situations my brothers and sisters face. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to the very deepest and personal areas of our lives through your word today. So we thank you. Open our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us here in this 1230 service. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, and as, God, as I mentioned, God's people have always lived in turbulent times. And I want to peek, I want to walk here into the scripture and talk about a time when God's people were actually in captivity. So let me bring you up to speed. The nation of Israel uh, had been taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon because they had continued to resist the Lord and they had rebelled against the Lord. And so God gave them over to their enemies. And so now uh, they were a couple of kings uh, later in captivity and they were under the authority of King Xerxes of Persia. Now, King Xerxes uh, had a falling out and was with his wife and was looking for another, a new wife, a new spouse. And uh, through this, this a a series of events, as you, you can go home, I encourage you to go home and read the book of Esther. It's a fascinating story. And so, so he said, okay, I want you to go throughout the entire kingdom, and to, we need to search out all of the noble young women uh, that, can be my, that can be the new queen of Persia, the new queen of Persia. Now, there was, a, there was a young woman. Her name was Hadassah. Can we all say Hadassah? Hadassah, who was commonly known as Esther. So her popular name was Esther, but her, her, her original name was Hadassah. She had lost both of her parents. So in many ways, she was an orphan. And uh, she, she, we don't know exactly what happened, but the Bible says that her parents uh, had passed away. And through that, her uncle Mordecai, her uncle Mordecai took her in, took her in and began to raise her. And by the way, just a little sidebar. Maybe you're here today and uh, you, have, you have a child in your house that maybe not be your biological child. Maybe it's a niece, maybe it's a nephew, maybe it's a friend. And the Lord has brought them to live in your house so that you can influence them. Don't ever underestimate what God can do through your care of a child. Okay, so even, even uh, Mordecai took in his niece and he began to raise her. And so Esther was chosen among the women of the land to go and to be, go through a candidating process to become, to become the new queen. Uh, through, through a series of events, she actually became the new queen of Persia. And so, but Mordecai told her, by the way, he said, don't tell anybody uh, who you are. Don't tell her that, you're, that you belong to God's people. Don't, don't reveal your identity. And so she did it. So now she's, she's, in, she's in the home, married to the most powerful man on the planet, uh, in the, most inf the, the world power at the time. And along comes a, 
what we'll call the evil villain of this story. His name is um, Haman. And Haman comes along, and he was a very shrewd uh, and very evil man who was under the influence um, of evil. And he, he would go every day, uh, he would pass Esther's uncle, whose name was Mordecai. He would pass Mordecai. And it was customary that all these different people would bow down when Haman passed because he was a very powerful ruler. But Mordecai would not bow down. Mordecai was, would not bow down. He would not honor him. And it was, if you can go and we can, you can dive into it later, it was the right thing to do because he said, I'm not going to worship you. I'm only going to worship God. Okay. So I'm not going to bow down. And, and by the way, he's, he was part of um, what historically theologians, the tribe and the nation that he was a part of many times throughout scriptures actually represents the sinful nature, represents the flesh. So there's a New Testament uh, application to that, that we got to be careful that even though the flesh and the things of the world want us to bow down, that we say, no, I'm not going to bow down to that. So Mordecai stood his ground and Haman was furious, absolutely furious. So he devised a plan and he went to the king and he said, king, there is a group of people an entire group of people that are under your kingdom that, uh, that are in rebellion and resist the king, and I want to propose that we annihilate them, we kill all of them, and we take their property. And so the king says, whatever seems best to you, go ahead and do it. So Haman actually takes, takes the king's signet ring and issues an order, and through the order, he, he begins to tell, he begins to say, 11 months from this day, all across the kingdom, all of the people of the kingdom will rise up and kill the, kill the Jewish people and take their property. So imagine today is July 17, 2016. Imagine on June 17, 2016 that someone says all Christians, all people that belong to God are going to be killed and all their property is going to be taken. This is what was happening. And now we're going to pick up our story in, in Esther chapter 4. And I'm going to read Esther chapter 4 starting in verse 1, it says this, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. And then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave, a, gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, the capital, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence, to beg for mercy, and to plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said, and then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, you need to tell my uncle, in, in essence, that all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days had passed since I was called to go to the king. Look up here real quickly. 
Historically, what you could not rush into the presence of a king. You could not go in unannounced. If you went into the presence of the king unannounced, you could be put to death if the king did not extend his scepter. And by the way, I think that for us as New Testament Christians, there are some things that we can learn from this. Aren't you thankful that because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter into the presence of the throne room of God and we can go freely and we have access where we can go before the throne of God? And I think there's another thing here, though, that when, we, when it comes to even this idea of coming into the presence of the king with honor, we have to be careful also, but that we don't come to the throne room of God entitled. Think and say, I can do whatever I want. When we, when we recognize the fact that we do go before the holy king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's why we should enter with praise and thanksgiving. Because he's worthy to receive glory and honor. We shouldn't enter the presence of the king flippantly. We should enter with honor. We should enter giving him glory and giving him honor and giving him praise. I wonder if somebody from this time actually sat in our church services would they say, are we entering the presence of the great king correctly? And that's why it sh we should always enter with hearts of honor and respect and praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. It says this then in verse 12. When, Esther, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, in essence she was saying, I can't go, otherwise I could be killed. He sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather all of the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. If you look at verse 14, it says this. It says Mordecai was encouraging her that, that you have, that, for her to understand that she has come to a royal position for such a time as this. The ESV actually says that she's come to the kingdom for such a time as this. She's come to the kingdom for such a time as this. My brothers and sisters, God has positioned his people with a timely kingdom purpose. As God's people, we have been positioned by God with a specific purpose. He has given us a specific purpose today for his kingdom and for his glory. Esther didn't choose to be there, but she was placed there by God for such a time as this, for such a time as this. So I, I, I've been praying, and we, we've been praying, and I've been really asking the Lord today to open our eyes to recognize that no one has gotten to where they are by just coincidence. Because in God, everything is purposeful. And I want to walk through two quick things, and then I want to spend some time to pray at the end of our meeting together. And the title of the message today is that we've been positioned with purpose. We've been positioned with purpose. 
And I want to wa- walk through what our position actually is because this is very important. It's important that we understand our current position. And so our position, first of all, first of all, our position is time-specific. Time-specific. Do we have any children of the 80s in here? Showing of hands? Okay. Children of the 70s? Okay. Okay, we're going to keep, we're going to stop there. Okay, we're not going to keep going back. People say, I don't want to raise my hand. How many guys remember those slap bracelets in the 80s? You remember those things? You slap those in. You know, this little thing called cassette tapes and eight tracks. You remember record players. And um, there was a funniest, funniest uh, Instagram the other day. This one of the, one of our friends, she, her, she had a picture of her daughter in a hotel room next to a rotary phone. And her little six-year-old daughter says, is this a new type of telephone? It was so funny. Like, no, that's 20 years old. You know, I, I, I always think of, of, of time, and I, I think back in history, and, and so many times I'm like, God, did you really place me in the right time? Because, man, life sure seemed to be easier like 200 years ago. You know, I, 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 I was like, I long for the days that, that you only had two meetings a day because it took you three hours to get there on horseback, you know. <laughs> you know, you didn't have like 17 meetings. There was no phones. There was no beep, beep, beep. And life was slower. Life seemed to be simpler. Um, and, and I recognize, obviously, there's always been challenges throughout all history. But, but I was like, Lord, what, what about then? And, and, and many times I think of the great revivals, the great moves of God. There's been the, the Great Awakening in America, and then the Second Great Awakening, and then in the early 1900s, there's the Azusa Street Revival where, where the Holy Spirit was poured out and millions of people were, were sent out. All, millions of people were impacted through that great revival all over the world can point their roots back to that. And, and, I, and I always ask, God, shouldn't I have been placed in another time period? Or, you know, this, this is, am I really, I feel like I could be back there. And I felt the Lord, the Lord wants to tell, not just me, but wants to tell us today that he specifically has placed us in the 21st century for such a time as this. God placed us here before time. We have to remember that he's the Alpha and the Omega, meaning he's the beginning and the end. He created time. He is not constrained by time. He is outside of it, and he sees everything holistically. He sees the beginning and the end all at the same time, and he says, you know what? I've placed my brother, and I've put him in this time for a specific reason. I have given him a position today. I have positioned him now. Why weren't we born in the 1500s? Why weren't we born 200 years from now? We have been positioned by God. Now, secular uh, teaching and secular thought says, well, we have all come here, and it's been a random set of circumstances that has, situations have evolved over millions of years, and now we've kind of just came here, and we've just happened to be here, and there's a lot of philosophy that says, then when we die, there's nothing there. Well, that's an attack against the providence and the sovereignty of God, because God is very specific of when he wants to place his children where. He says, I have chosen for you to be in this time period, in the 21st century. So our position, first of all, is time-specific. Secondly, our position is space-specific. Now, when I mean space-specific, I mean he has placed us, he has placed you in a specific family, a neighborhood, a city, a nation. You know nobody chose to live and to be born into the nation they were born into? Nobody said, I want to be born in America in the uh, 20th century. Yes, that's, I'm gonna, that's when I want to go. No, nobody chooses that. God chooses where we are going to be. 
And listen, we didn't get to choose our families either. Some of you say, that's right, Pastor. I did not choose that family. <laughs> now you're preaching. Okay. okay. We didn't choose the parents we were going to have. We didn't choose the neighborhoods we were going to grow up in. And even today, you might say, well, I've chosen my way to this place. I have made decisions. Well, sure, yes, we have a free will and we've decided to go to certain things. But we have to understand, though, that the Bible says this in the book of Proverbs. It says this, is that the humans, in their hearts, they plan their course, but it's the Lord that establishes their steps. So we might say, I've got plans, I've decided that I'm going to be where I'm going to be, and at the end of the day, we have to be biblical about our position because we have to understand it was God that brought us where we are. Even when we've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord was still leading us. We've gone through dark days, we've gone through dark times, we have maybe been in places we didn't want to be, but in the big scheme of things, God positioned us where he wanted us to be. You might have grown up in the hood, you might have grown up in the suburbs, you might have grown up in another country, but it was the Lord's doing to position you in that place for such a time as this. We didn't get to choose our position. It's the Lord that chooses our position. The same way Esther did not get to choose her position. Do you think Esther said, you know, I want to be born in a, as a slave in a kind of in, under, in, under bondage in a foreign nation with no parents, having to be raised up by my uncle, and then being snatched and being taken into the king's uh, house? And do you think she planned that out? Was that in her 15, 20-year plan? No, it wasn't. But the Lord positioned her. And today, God positions us. Now, I recognize, brothers and sisters, that that can create some tension. Because when you look to the past of your life, you might say, man, Lord, why did you place me there? There is a mystery to this. I understand. Why are we here in this room in America, in an air-conditioned church, with padded chairs and carpet and safety? No one is going to do something crazy, God willing, and we're we're in a fairly secure country. Why? I don't know. Why we're not in North Korea right now where they can't even whisper the name Jesus. Why we're not in Iran and Christians today having to sneak around to go to church for the fear that they'll be thrown in prison and killed. Why we're not in the back jungles of the Amazon having no concept of God. But that we here today, in America, in Chicago, have been positioned by God with the understanding that we have. How and why has that come to be? Well, It's because God has positioned us for such a time as this. And if you think of Esther, by the way, maybe you grew up in a very confined environment. You know, captivity, you can look at it as being confined, limited. You might have grown up in a place that was violent, dysfunctional, dark. And in a strange, mysterious way, God was the one who positioned you there so that even today, you could have a massive kingdom purpose and kingdom impact for such a time as this. So the first thing we need to understand about being positioned with purpose, we need to understand our position, that it's time-specific and space-specific, and it's something that God has established. Secondly, when it comes to being positioned with purpose, we need to recognize our purpose, not just our position, but also our purpose. And first of all, it's kind of kind of move transitioning from this last thought is our purpose is decreed by God himself. 
Our culture says find your own purpose, find what makes you happy, find what makes you, uh, you know, fulfilled and satisfied. When we said yes to Jesus Christ, we said we forsake our own agenda and purpose. By the way, if you didn't know, that's what happened. I love America. I am an, I, I, I pray for America. I love everything about, I just, I just am so blessed that you can go everywhere around the country in a road, for the most part, that doesn't have, you know, danger on it. That there's fast food and Starbucks, praise Jesus, you know. <laughs> Though there's Starbucks all over the world, you know. I love this country. I love the fact that what, 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 what has happened, but, but brothers and sisters, God we don't get to choose, even though America says choose, choose, choose your purpose. Jesus Christ has declared our purpose. And very, spe- very specifically, this applies to everybody. Universally, the purpose is what he left, one of the last things he said before he went to heaven. And he says, therefore, in Matthew chapter 28, he says, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God decreed our purpose, brothers and sisters. You've heard heard us say it before. When we gave our heart to Jesus, why weren't we just zapped right up to heaven to go be with him forever? Why don't we just get a free express pass to, to, the, to, the, to the glory and to the, king, to the presence of the Lord in heaven? It's because he has a purpose for us on the earth. He's got a kingdom purpose for you, my friends. He's got a purpose for you. And that purpose is that we are to go and to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. You know, they say a larger, the larger the church gets, the less the people in the church tell others about the Lord. So I don't know the specific statistics, but the larger a church gets, many times they say, well, it takes more people. In essence, so if a church is 300 people, you might have 200 people that are going to tell someone about Jesus. But then a church gets to 1,000 people, and you might only have 300 people. And then it gets to maybe 2,000, and you might only have 400 people. You understand the, the principle. But that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We have a saying around here, each one, reach one. It's, it's each one should be able to say, you know what, there's somebody that I am supposed to tell about Jesus Christ. There's a purpose that Jesus himself decreed that God himself decreed that's the that's the big picture purpose now there is individual because one person might be called to go tell people about Jesus in Indonesia someone else might be called to tell them someone else about Jesus at the Coca-Cola factory someone else might be called to tell someone about Jesus at the beauty salon someone else is called to tell someone about Jesus by nanny but listen regardless of our geography and our occupation the purpose is the same because we get caught up on, on the vehicle of the purpose. We say, well, I think I want to do this, and I want it to look this way, and I, I want to go here and do this, and we don't recognize that, that those things are secondary. The most important thing is that we fulfill the purpose that Jesus himself gave us. And by the way, I have found that when we obey Jesus in the first step, he'll open up the second step. If you, you feel like, well, I'm called to foreign missions, well, have you told your neighbor about Jesus? Because if we tell our neighbor about Jesus, that's the first step. And then God will open up the next step. And we can have this big vision in the future of what the vehicle of the purpose is going to be when today is the day that God has says, fulfill the purpose I have given you. I have given you. I have given you. 
So the first thing is the purpose is decreed by God himself. God has given us the purpose. Secondly, it's for his glory and fame. Our purpose is for his glory and fame. Our, this is, again, this is that the world system says, go make a name for yourself. Go and make yourself famous. Everyone should know who you are. Brothers and sisters, the only person that everyone should know about is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that we want everyone to be drawn to, that they could see him and that they could know him. One of my favorite verses is, is and I, this became a favorite of mine in college, it's Isaiah 26, 8. It says, Lord, your glory and your fame is the desire of my heart. Not my glory, not my fame, it's, it's your glory and your fame. You can be spinning in your purpose because secretly you really want to be something. You want everyone to know you, you want everyone to see you. Now, I, let me pause here. I recognize that there is, there's elements that, yes, I want to be accepted. God wants us to be accepted, of course. God wants us to feel loved. Yes, absolutely. But the most important thing is that we would be able to give Jesus Christ glory and honor. That people would look at our lives and they would say, what is it about you? You're a real spiritual religious person. If someone ever tells that to you, can I encourage you to say, it's not that I'm spiritual religious, it's that the, you're seeing Jesus in my life. Can I tell you about him? Give him the glory. They say, man, you're such a good employee. Can I tell you why I'm a good employee? Jesus really has changed my life. He's really taught me. Many times we pray for the open door. God will give it to you. They say, man, why, why is it so happy? Can I tell you why I'm so happy? I'm happy because I used to be lost, but now I'm found. I used to be full of darkness, but now I'm full of peace. Hey, you know, you're such a good and loving husband. Can I tell you why I'm a loving husband? Because in myself, I would be a horrible husband. But let me tell you about Jesus. He touched my heart and he's helping me. That's how we bring the attention. It's one of my youth pastors called it once the art of deflection. Anytime someone gives something, you just deflect it right back to Jesus. Let, let him, and that's how people start to see him. And brothers and sisters, that's part of our purpose, is to bring him glory and to bring him fame. Our prayer has always been for this church. God, when it's all said and done, may the name of the Chicago Tabernacle, may it be just, may it, pair, may it just vanish in history. But Lord Jesus, may, may people know that there is a God in heaven that you have been glorified. May people remember Jesus Christ. That is why we exist. That is the, the desire. When, when, when you leave this building, we're not asking that you remember this place. Our desire and our prayer is that when you walk out of these doors, you'd be and say, man, Jesus has been good. And your focus and attention is him. Our purpose is for him to receive glory and honor and fame. A third part of our purpose. And this, is, this, is, this, might, this might rub some of us a little bit the wrong way, but stick with me on it. It's not in any way meant to be insensitive or mean or anything like that. But this is kind of the way Jesus talked. A big part of our purpose is to be able to die to comfort and security. To die to comfort and security. Once again, if I can go back to the culture and the country that we, we live in, we have to be very careful that the values of our culture don't get larger than the values of the scriptures. The book of 1 John talks about this idea of the world. 
talks about the world, the world, the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. That's not talking about the people of the world. It talks about the world system. There, is a, there are messages that are worldly, messages that are worldly. They are not godly. They are not biblical. At the surface, they, might, they may not look sinful, but the undercurrent is anti-kingdom, anti-Jesus, anti-God. First John calls it the spirit of the anti-Christ. Part of the thing that is anti-God, that has infiltrated the ranks of the brothers and sisters in our country who name Jesus, part of the things that's infiltrated is that I deserve to be comfortable. I deserve to have security. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be comfortable. And once again, I'm so thankful for this wonderful nation that we live in. But even our nation was, was founded, and there's elements of this that aren't bad, but they can't be bigger than Jesus. We've, the nation was established with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, brothers and sisters, there's an element. There comes a point sometimes that Jesus says, your comfort and security, you need to let that go. Because i got a purpose for you. I have something for you to do today that if you don't release your ability to be comfortable and you don't release this security that you may feel, you're not going to fulfill my purpose for your life. Esther even said this. She said, listen, when I go to the king, even though it's against the law, when this is done, she says, if I perish, I perish. She was able to say, you know what? I have been positioned with a purpose for such a time as this, and even though my life might be on the line, I know this is what God wants me to do. And if I perish, I perish. Now, is it bad to have comfortable things? Of course not. But we have to remember we have to remember that we got to let God give that and let God take away. Job said this. I love all Job. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord takes away, but my heart I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. If God wants to give comfort, we're going to take it. If God wants to remove comfort, we're going to take that also. Paul said, I have learned to be content with much. I've learned to be content with little. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But we've got to put our comfort and security on the altar, and we've got to say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, then everything else will be added. Self-preservation will halt the purpose of God in our lives. If we're just looking out for our own self-preservation, purpose of God for our life will be, will be stalled. It doesn't necessarily disqualify, but it will be stalled. And this might run deep. And parents, can I give a quick word to parents? We've got to be very careful that we don't let comfort trump Christ in our children's lives. The Lord will give you wisdom on that. But remember, Jesus first everything else second. Jesus first. Do we want to provide for our kids and give them the best? Of course, yes. But if you start to discern that they're starting to put the comforts of this world over Jesus Christ, you've got to hit the timeout button and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Even though we're blessed, we don't put the blessing over the blesser, over Jesus himself. So that's one of our pur- part of our purpose, to die to comfort and security. And lastly, and then we're going to pray. Our purpose 
is very simply for the salvation of others. It's for the salvation of others. Once the Lord Jesus saves us, plucks us out of the fires of condemnation, the Lord says, okay, I have a purpose for you today. And that purpose is to reach others. That purpose is to reach out and to see others come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a little story happened this week. We have our community summer camps and we've got about 50, 50, 60 uh, children that are coming into our community summer camps. And I think it's been around close to 35 brand new families, uh, brand new families that have, uh, from the community, never been to the church, that have come into the church with their children. It's amazing. And there's one little boy um, who's just an adorable little young guy, but he, um, he's been having a very difficult time in the program. There's actually a couple of them that are like this, but one, one in particular, because he's, he's, he's got attention deficit challenges, he's very, very energetic, and he can't even sit in a classroom. And so the teachers many times have to go in to have a one-on-one with him and spend individual time. And uh, he's, 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 he's behind in school because it's hard for him to understand English. His parents don't understand English. And it was a challenge. And so the school he's in is very challenging. But by the way, that's why we're doing the best we can because the children are coming here and we have teachers and the Lord is helping us to help them. We're believing that God is going to help us not just to help their spirit, but their mind and their whole being. Uh, the Lord is going to give us the grace to do that. And he's helping us every one day at a time. So this little boy um, needed some individual attention. Uh, so Susie uh, took him out and our, 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 our director and she, she took him out just spending some time with him and just working with him. And he couldn't keep his attention because he was constantly moving and he, couldn't, he wasn't really taking anything in. And then one of the, lead, one of, uh, one of the leaders in, the, in, in our church, one of our, our, our church members, they walked in. They walked into the door. They weren't even a part of that part of the program, but they walked in. And when they walked in, like the presence of God came over this little boy and he just stopped. And he looked at this leader. And Susie said, oh, I've never seen him this quiet in weeks. Hey, you need to go tell him about Jesus. So the leader took the little boy, took him aside, shared the good news of Jesus Christ with him, and that little boy gave his heart to the Lord right there on the spot. And we're going to praise God in a minute because then the story continues because that little boy then, he turns, there was like six different counselors there. He turns to the little counselor, he turns to every single one of these counselors, and the little boy, he says these, he says these words, he said, I accepted Jesus in my heart, and Jesus has time for me. He's never too busy for me. And he turns to the next leader. I accepted Jesus in my heart, you know, and, and he's, he, he, he has time for me. He's never too busy for me. And he begins to go down the line and tell every one of these leaders. Then his dad comes to pick him up and he goes, Poppy, Poppy, I got to tell you something. I accepted Jesus in my heart and he's, he has time for me. He's never too busy for me. And he's testifying to his dad. And his dad, we were to invite them to come to KWA, invite him to the church. And, and this powerful exchange happened. Now, you want to know where that started? Earlier in the morning, one of the brothers in the church who was just doing security happened to encourage some of the kids in the morning. And you know what he said? He said to the kids, he said, Jesus is never too busy for you. He always has time for you. And then, then that was the seed that God used. And this little boy not only gave his heart to Jesus, but he's already starting to testify to his parents. Come on, let's put our hands together and praise the Lord for his mighty saving power. Hallelujah. 
You want to know why that happened? It's because somebody was in position and they were filled with purpose. They were in position and they were filled with purpose. They were positioned with purpose. What would have happened if that leader didn't walk in? What would have happened if that security guy in the morning hadn't, hadn't been on spot? What happened? He says, I don't need to do that today. What would have happened? Well, we don't know, but that boy would not have said what he said in that way, and the Lord used it. And brothers and sisters, whether you're at home, you're at work, wherever you might be, you have been positioned for such a time as this. And you know, I really, I went back and forth on the title of this message. And I went back and forth and I said, well, maybe I should call it positioned for purpose. God's positioned us for purpose. He's placed us in our families, placed us in our jobs, placed us in our neighborhoods, placed us in our communities, placed us in this church. He's positioned us for purpose. But then I began to realize, and I talked with some of the brothers, and I began to realize, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, because that's for purpose almost makes it sound like for tomorrow, for a purpose later. But what it is is Esther was telling Mordecai, hey, Mordecai, I don't think I can do that. And Mordecai said, you have been positioned for a purpose, not tomorrow, today. You have been positioned by God for today. So many times they say, well, when I arrive at this place, when I receive this certain kind of credential or I get into this Wherever, whatever it might be, you think in your mind, you say, that's when I'll fulfill God's purpose. And God says, no, I've positioned you with purpose today. Today is the day that I have positioned you. And you might be here and might be in one of two categories. One of the categories, you might be out of position today. Maybe you've been tempted to leave. You've been tempted to quit. Maybe you've been tempted to move and do something that God has not God himself hasn't positioned you. You're trying to get out of position. And the Lord is saying, listen, I have called you to be in this place for such a time as this. For I have ordained it. Don't move out from there. And today you, want to, you need to say, God, I'm going to come back into position. Your position for my life, Lord. And then secondly, maybe you're here and you would say, you know, I need a fresh grace to fulfill the purpose of God. I need the grace of the Lord. We're going to pray. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Just close your eyes in the presence of the Lord. If you're here today and you're in one of those two categories, you would say, you know, I'm out of position. I'm out of position. And I need to get back into position. I've, I've moved out from what God wants me, where he wants me to be. I got frustrated there. I didn't like it, but now I'm realizing God placed me there. And I need to get back into position. With all eyes closed, if you need to get back in position today, just lift your hand up in the presence of the Lord. You can say, I need to get back in position. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the sanctuary. Thank you. I need to get back in position. I need to get back in position. Okay. You can put your hand down. all eyes closed. If you just lifted your hand, can I encourage you just to put both hands out before the Lord. No one's looking around. Just right there at your seat. God's watching you today. Father, right now I pray for my brothers and for my sisters. God, I pray, Lord, as they've recognized that they're out of position. God, I pray for grace to flood their soul. I pray for courage to flood their heart. And Holy Spirit, I pray now that as they've, if they've recognized it, that you would give them the strength to 
to, to come back under the authority and the covering and to be in the position and the place that you have ordained for them to be. Father, I thank you that you don't look down with condemnation. You just look at the hand that says, my child, my child, come back to where I've told you to be. Move back into what I've called you to. God, I thank you that you have positioned my brothers and my sisters for such a time as this. Lord, I pray if some of them moved out of position out of fear, I pray that you would fill their hearts with your perfect love that casts out all fear in Jesus' name. Father, for those maybe who moved out of position because of their own ambition and their own selfishness or their own desires, Lord, I pray that you would wash that desire and that old man away and that you would fill them with your heart and your desire today. Father, I pray for maybe some here who got distracted. They weren't intending to it, but they got distracted. They chased after something else. Father, I pray for a fresh laser focus on the heart and the purpose of God today. Oh, may they taste and see that the Lord is good. Nothing in this world is better than you. Focus them back on you today in the name of Jesus. And anyone else, God, who's out of position right now, root them right back under the will of God. Lord, today I pray that if any have believed the lie of the enemy that says it's safer, it's better, over there, I rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. There's nowhere safer to be than in the perfect will of God. Your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Any lie, any stronghold, may it be torn down. May your truth reign in our hearts and in our minds today. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, Lord. Oh, we want to be in your position where you've placed us. Father, maybe there's a spouse here who's been tempted to leave their marriage, tempted to give up, tempted to move out of position. Holy Spirit, Give them the healing and the restoration and the grace that they need, knowing that what God has put together, no man will separate. Give them the grace and the strength, Father. We thank you that you position us with purpose. And Lord, we're believing that this is going to be a week when we see the hand of the Lord working in us and through us. So we love you, we thank you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's praise him one last time this morning. Amen.